Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, my co-host Justin Baker, and I continue to go through the teams that have been slain in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and uh, we missed a couple teams in the first round, and uh, that being St. Louis and Montreal, who uh, ironically have made a trade today, so we'll, we'll jump on that Jake Allen deal as well. Uh, we'll also talk about the Boston Bruins. We thought we'd have more teams. We waited a couple extra days thinking there's got to be a few of these teams that get knocked off in five. And, of course, everyone goes and wins. <laughs> Colorado stays in it. The Flyers are still in it. Vancouver's still in it, thanks to a, a valiant effort from Thatcher Demko. And so we've got three teams to talk about what they're going to do in the offseason. We'll kind of cover some recent rumors that are going on and we'll give our predictions for some of these game sixes so justin let's uh, let's just jump right into this jake allen trade since it just happened earlier today uh, jake allen goes to the montreal canadians along with a seventh round pick in 2022 uh, for a third round pick and a seventh round pick in 2020 yeah interesting trade i you know it's funny like Going into this offseason, um, you know, out after the playoffs, I keep hearing that the goalie market is going to be just a carousel, right? There's yeah, going to be a lot sure. of movement. Jake Allen's one name I really didn't think, like, initially, right, was going to was gonna be on the move. You know, I thought maybe St. Louis would kind of ride him out, um, you know, maybe, you know, see where they, where they are with, you know, Jordan and see how things go there and maybe make a decision if they want to try to bring – Jake Allen back because you know in today's NHL having a one-two punch we've seen is very very valuable right sure it's very valuable but they are now spending ten or uh, sorry fourteen point eight five million dollars for the next two years on goaltenders yeah yeah Mont- Montreal spending a, a bit of cash uh, can't really blame them though because they do have eighteen million dollars in cap and really the only guy they got to resign is Max Domi right so um, for me this is a smart move for St Louis because. You get a guy who's going to be a UFA and likely not going to be back unless, you know, St. Louis could have worked some sort of magic, which, again, I don't even think it's possible. And St. Louis really needed the cap space. Right, and that's the thing. You got a right-handed defenseman named Alex Petrangelo who's going to be a UFA that they're desperately trying to sign. Now, again, $4 million doesn't open up enough to where they, Well, it does. Mind, it does for the offseason. It opens it up. Sure. Because you can go 10% over the cap. So right. And it, technically right now they could go $14 million and they'd be okay. Yeah. I think, what is it, that they're, even after this move, I think they've got about $6 million in yeah, cap space. Yeah, $6.3 million, About six point four. Okay. Roughly. Yeah. So, again... You can go up to 14, but still, I think St. Louis isn't done. Like Toronto, I think these are two teams that are poised to make more moves, to move some more guys. You know, you're looking at St. Louis and you think, okay, they've got a few guys maybe that are a year out, like a Tyler Bozak and Alexander Steen, who make a pretty penny, who you could easily move. And then there's another guy, in my opinion, who I think would be the smartest and might get you the most in return, and that's uh, Justin Falk. Yeah, but yeah, the problem is, I mean, now you've lost... You've just signed Justin Falk to a big deal. Uh, sort. I don't know. I don't know if uh, if it's good form to sign a guy to a big extension and then just deal him. You know. I that, think, I think that, sure. that 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 would come back to you know potentially someone goes. I mean, they don't really care. You know. I don't know necessarily if it's that they don't really care, but I think you know obviously they want to take care of Pietrangelo, and the easiest way to find some money is to move Justin Falk because again, I think. 
maybe this is almost like insurance, right? If we can't get Alex Pietrangelo signed, and you know, again, like you said, you have that extra wiggle room sure, of fourteen sure. million. If they can't get him signed, then you say, okay, crap, well, good, we've got so, Justin someone, Falk. Someone would be willing to deal for Justin Falk, for sure. Oh, absolutely, and that's the thing. Like, you could easily move him because, again, right-handed defensemen are not going to be, you know, in plentiful this offseason. There's not a lot of guys. I mean, the only real names you have out there are Kevin Shatt and Kirk, uh, Dustin Bufflin, and maybe you throw in, like, a Luke Shen or, you know, Zach Bogosian, but that's about it. There's not going to be a lot of righties on the market, you know, especially guys who can play in a top-four role. Sure. Uh now the question is to me is more all right alexander steen 17 points in the regular season he was a big no for in the playoffs uh and he only played 55 games well oh no sorry 55 games in the regular season is about about uh all the way through this year uh bozak eight games two assists and only 29 points uh really is their third line center i i gotta think that you're looking at one of those guys first I mean, they both have some kind of no-trade clause. Steen is a full. Uh, Bozak submits a 10-team no-trade. I mean, I, I think there's you're going to look there long before you're going to go, hey, let's trade away our like our number three defenseman, number two defenseman that we have. I mean, Justin Falk is basically a number two defenseman, but they're so deep on defense that he plays in the second pairing. He's definitely one of their top power play defenseman as well i think you're looking there before you're ever going to look to deal a guy you've got locked up at a pretty friendly deal yeah especially with the way the salary cap is uh going to be stagnant it's, it's a pretty decent deal for for falk uh it takes him till he's about 34 which you know at the end of that it might not be great but by that point you're open of one another stanley cup maybe two if you can for, as, as your st louis <laughs> that's your hope uh but I just those two guys are have to be the priority to move because you also have to re-sign Vince Dunn, and Vince Dunn's going to probably uh, be able to grab three three and a half million, which you know there's almost one of those guys just in and of itself. So we'll we'll see what they do with Vince Dunn. But do you think that they re-sign Petrangelo? Oh boy, you know i I feel less assured about this one than I do. Uh, when I was so sure that Tavares was moving, apparently I, the apparently the Leafs are interested in Petrangelo. Oh, of course, who wouldn't be at so. this point when you have a guy who's a Stanley Cup winning captain, right-handed? <laughs> sure, shirt. sure. Um, I give it a sixty percent chance right now that he stays in St. What's Louis. What's he going to sign for? I think he's probably looking at around seven and a half, eight million dollars minimum. Minimum. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he gets less than nine. Honestly. I would be too. I think okay. So you can look at guys Depends like on Carlson. Depends on how many years. Of if course. you're going to give him, if you're going to load him up with with a seven or eight year deal, if then, he's staying in St. Louis, it's eight years minimum. Yeah, and eight years takes Only, you to really. 38, 39 years old. Like, yeah, because I think if you're St. Louis, especially so with the cap seven. being so flat for the next few years, yeah. you got to convince him to take less money. And only in order to do that, you're going to have to probably eat a couple years into his you know late thirties there. Yeah, I mean he's going to go. All right, I can sign a five a five-year deal, maybe a four-year deal at, let's say a five-year deal, $9 million a year, $45 million bucks. You're not going to go take a $7 million deal for eight years You're gonna, or for uh, for six years or something. That's less. So seven times seven. All right, so now you've worked an extra two years and you've only made an extra $4 million. You know, you got to, you, I wonder, I wonder what he'll do. I wonder if he'll get the eight from St. Louis. I mean, that's, that'll be the big question mark. Uh I mean, not that you can't put a guy on 
long-term injury right. later on. and Which they might have to do with Tarasenko for a while to help yeah, the I mean, next year. Five months before they can even reevaluate him. Right. I mean, he is, I mean, likely this is, you know, we're, we're done seeing high-level Tarasenko ever again. You hope not, but uh, you hope not. more but, than possible. Yeah. Especially because it is that shoulder. I mean, it's, gosh, it's, yeah. I'm not a no doctor, but that's just, that can't be good. No. Do you just sell low and get rid of him and see if you can get seven? Tarasenko? Yeah. No. I think you, you hold on to the hopes that, because I think right now with the injury, since this is the second surgery here in the last year, you know, most teams are going to be like, nope, mm-mm, I'll yeah. give you a seventh rounder. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so not worth it. Just hope that he rebounds, hope that he gets something back and is, you know, even a, a fraction of what he once was and it'd still be okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, one thing with St. Louis, as far as their goaltending goes, I think Binnington was fine in the regular season. He was an average goalie, which I think is probably about where we figured he'd be when he first came into the league. Like, okay, this guy can be, he can be fine, especially for such a good team in the playoffs. He really struggled. <laughs> His statistics for the playoffs are not pretty four, seven, two goals against and a eight, five, one save percentage. He certainly struggled in, uh, in those playoffs, but trading away Jake Allen, especially since Jake Allen did get a decent amount of starts in the regular season uh, is certainly saying we think Jordan Binnington is for sure our, our guy. And I mean, he only has, he's got one more year. I mean, after whatever this year's July 1st ends up being, I don't know what day that is, but they can sign Jordan Binnington to an extension. Yeah. I think it's like October 10th or yeah. something like that. Um, yeah, and the other concern now you have to think is who who's going to play backup for St. Louis, right? Because right. I don't really think they have any big prospects coming up in the goaltending pipeline. They've got Joel Hoffer. <laughs> Joel Hoffer. It's um, just who's there. Uh, yeah, but maybe you go look towards, in my opinion, I think the smart move would be go look towards a UFA veteran guy like a Craig Anderson, maybe a Mike Smith. See if you can't get him for $1, 2000000 million Yeah, the those cheap. guys would come and, hey, you'll play 25, 30 games. Right. That's not bad. Uh, and, you know, barring an injury, you'd be our starter. So yeah. that's wouldn't be a bad gig, and you'd be playing on a pretty good defensive team. So Right, and a team that potentially is going to make a run at the Cup next sure. year. Sure, yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to the Montreal side of the Jake Allen deal, and we'll talk a little bit more about what we think Montreal needs to do in this offseason. Uh, they, of course, traded for Keith Kincaid, and now he's gone, and in they go and bring Jake Allen. They now have almost $15 million devoted to their goaltending. And what do you think about this deal for just from a Montreal perspective? I mean, the third-round pick, seventh-round pick, whatever. Uh, getting Jake Allen, what is the, what's the point of this deal? Because they, like, same thing. Mike Smith... Uh, Craig Anderson, these are all guys who you could probably have for a couple million, which is far less than Jake Allen. Plus, you don't have to give up the third round pick. What is the advantage of having a Jake Allen over a UFA goaltender out there? I think now the advantage is you you have a backup you can trust, right? You don't have to ride Carey Price for close to 70 games next season. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, granted, outside of that fluke stretch that – Niemi had when he was playing back up a few years ago for Montreal. When he was so bad all year and we made fun of him every <laughs> single day on our show. We did. Um, yeah, I think outside of that, they've 
They've had this carousel of goaltenders where they haven't been able to find anybody who can add some stability to the back end, and I think that adds confidence to the rest of your team because you know if Carey Price isn't in the net, you've got to tighten up a little bit back on that back end. You can't play as loose, and I think we saw you know, these playoffs here that Montreal playing a little loose, they can – in their D being a little bit more active, they can go out and cause some damage. And if you got a guy who's a number two, who you know when Carey Price isn't playing, or you know you can go out there and be confident in what you're doing. You don't have to sure. worry. And not only that, but for Carey Price, and he gets some rest, right? Because it's obviously, you know, the the season probably won't start till you know whatever December, January, whenever they think it might. But you know, you're Carey Price, you get time to rest now, and then you're fresh for the, the postseason whenever that starts next year, too. Yeah. Is Montreal a real playoff team, or was this just kind of a one-and-done? No, so I I think they, they're they going to be a bubble team again. I think they're going to be a team that's going to push for, you know, that 7-8 yeah. spot. But I mean, know. it all depends on if they're able to bring anyone else in. Sure, and right? that's the thing. And, and Nick Suzuki, if we continue to see his development, I mean, he was fantastic in the playoffs. I thought I thought Lekkonen looked better than he did in the regular season. Uh, I think they have, they, you know, they kind of remind me a little bit of the Red Wings when they were good enough to make the playoffs. And you're like, yeah, this team is like a whole bunch of bottom top six forwards. Like you're five six in the top six for a lot of teams. Like no one on here scares you. You know, no one on here is, is going to be mistaken for... Datsuk still scares me. Let's just... Well, Datsuk did, yes, yes. Uh, but no one on here scares you, but there are enough... There's enough depth on this team to where they can potentially get in the postseason and, you know, push it yeah. a little bit. And the great thing I love about this Montreal team is they have balance, right? They have a balance between grit and speed yeah. and skill. And guys like... You know, like you talked about, Nick Suzuki are only developing and getting better when it comes to that skill. And if they can get a little bit more of that, and then with all this cap space they have, really the only guy they have to re-sign is Max Domi, who, again, you know, he might, you know, chew up a couple extra million dollars on top yeah, of the I mean, three. I really don't think he's getting more than four and a half million. Sure. I, I pegged him around five. So, you know, even if he comes in at five, that's still only a few more million dollars. And then they'll still have close to $10 million dollars that they can go out and spend in the free agent market, you know, and whether that means you bring in another guy in the back end because, again, you've got older guys like, you know, Petrie and Weber that maybe you want to say, we don't want to ride you 30 minutes a night, so let's bring somebody else in who can be a top-four guy. Um, but, again, this this whole deal goes back to, you know, you have the cap space right now to be able to hold on to that $4 million cap. And now the year after, obviously, Jake Allen's not going to resign there because, you know, he's shown he can potentially be a starter, number one, number one B in another team. So maybe he goes and signs with somebody else. We don't know where the goalie carousel is going to be again next year, but yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe, maybe you flip them. And know? that's another thing too. You can get a decent draft pick, you know, at the, at the deadline next year. And uh, not that they're not already loaded with draft picks. I mean, they got a first and three seconds, so they're going to, they're going to get and some good three prospects. Fourths, and right. two fifths. And then <laughs> next year, I mean, they, yeah, they're, they're loaded with picks. They've, they've done a nice job at setting themselves up in that way. Yeah. So, um, you know, they can go out and they can re-sign somebody else, and but maybe maybe Jake Allen really likes it there because he is from Montreal. I think he played juniors there or something like that. But you know maybe he's like, okay, shoot, well maybe I'll take you know a couple million less and stay here for a long term. But yeah, all right. Uh, in my opinion, Montreal next year, it'll appear that they take a step back, but they're probably 
they were way ahead of schedule winning that first round against Pittsburgh. And, you know, it was the Carey Price show. Uh, I think we're still due to see a Montreal team fight for a playoff spot, ultimately miss one. And then the year after that, I think, you know, depending on the development of some of these guys, uh, they've got a good shot. Uh, as long as Shea Weber can keep playing the way he played in the playoffs. Yeah, and the other thing too, like Koke Niemi, right? Here's another young guy that can come in and develop, and that's what you want. You want these young guys to develop, and I hope, especially for Montreal Canadian fans, you don't want Montreal going out and overspending on somebody in the free agent. Just because you have the cap space sure. doesn't mean you have to use it. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to, to keep yourself and keep your options open because as the cap is not going to go up, there are going to be some teams that you could probably take advantage of. Right. Especially now headed into uh, where you're going to, you know, there's going to be the expansion draft again. And uh, who knows what kind of funky things will be happening there. So, all right. Well, let's go to probably the most surprising team to, uh, to be out. Not that, you know, not that it's that big of a shocker that Tampa beat them, but it seems like Boston always manages to get through somehow. And, uh, the Bruins find themselves out in the second round, and they've got some, I think, some hard future questions and some difficult questions on defense with Tory Krug becoming a UFA, Char is a UFA, and they've got Rask and Halak, both UFAs, after next year along with uh, David Krejci, which would, <laughs> which will, is probably a welcomed... Uh, a welcome loss of salary, although I think he'll probably resign just for far less. Sure, no, I absolutely agree. Dave he, he was pretty was good in playoffs. Yeah, he was. I I enjoyed. He, and the problem twelve was points is, in thirteen games. He was. Uh, yeah, yeah. He showed up. And I talked about that with the depth in Boston playing against Tampa, right? But it, it seemed to be missing, and that's that's obviously why you know Boston wasn't able to prevail in this series. And David Krejci was there. He was producing, and obviously the top three headed monster there was producing as well. But. That's the other big question mark, too, is, you know, can they go out and fill in with some depth? They've got guys that, you know, they don't have a lot of cap space to spend, and they've got guys coming off contracts that they would hope to try and keep, you know, a Chara, a Krug, guys that they want still to stay around. But the question is, will they stay? Sure. Obviously, I think Krug is more likely to leave than anybody else. And, you know, Chara, if he wants to come back, they'll find a way to squeeze him in there. Um, But the question is, will he come back? And that's a big piece still if if he retires to lose because he's still capable. I don't know if he's, you know, obviously he's slowing down, but he's still capable of putting top four minutes in. Yeah. Uh, and also, can you get David Backus working again? Is there a chance that maybe he'll <laughs> David Backus? Or, oh no, I guess he's I guess he's gone. He's uh his his salary is retained. I just I see his name pop up on here. Uh, it's still funny to talk about though. It yeah, what a terrible deal. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean Boston. I think you want to see more out of Charlie McAvoy. I think his his rookie season uh, kind of made you think, oh, you're going to get this spectacular offensive player. And well, he you know, is no slouch. Uh, I don't think he's been quite as great as maybe they thought he could be when he was, you know, playing with Chara. And maybe that's some of the some of the issue playing with Chara. Uh, how much is Chara making an impact positively or negatively? Do you want to bring him back? Uh, I mean, at $2 million, it's hard not to bring your captain back. But these are probably going to be some decisions that are going to come up. Like, I can't see Chara playing past this next year. Yeah. I, I also I, wonder if he'll be back at all. 
I, I would think, yeah, he's probably got another year in him. And I think because Boston is still competitive, they can still vie for a title. I think that's motivation for him to come back. Yeah, yeah, that's um, true. They still have the same core and Bergeron, yeah. Pasternak, Marshawn. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, there's not a lot of pieces moving. But I, I like your question because, again, you know, McAvoy, right? I think they want him to be a top two guy, but you know, as Chara ages, as Chara gets a little bit slower, right? Well, he's going to get thrust into that with Tory Krug being gone. Like yeah. Krug is gone. That's that's the other big question mark too. Can McAvoy step up and help you know ease that that loss of production? I don't know. I I did like what I saw at times out of Brendan Carlo. I think he was fine. Uh, John Moore a little disappointing for me this these playoffs in this season. Uh, but they've got him extended for a few more years. So, you know, if he doesn't improve and get better, you're kind of stuck with that that contract. Um, the other big question mark, too, uh, for me is Tuka Rask. I know what he's capable of. I know he's got solid numbers. But there's going to be a lot of finger pointing this offseason. You can't blame Halak for anything that happened during the playoffs. He stepped up. He did great. Yeah, he did I, fine. Yeah. I mean, but Tampa I think, was just the better team. No, absolutely. I, I agree. I think Tampa found a way to grind and finally found some balance between skill and, you know, that, that you know, hard-nosed hockey. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of people in Boston, obviously. We know their fans are pretty passionate, and I think there's going to be a lot of finger-pointing his way, sure. you know. Um, you know, is he to the point where he says, screw it, I don't, I don't need this here anymore, you know. I, I want out. Yeah, maybe. And because uh, he's a UFA after next season, so maybe does he say I'm I'm not resigning after this year, or maybe just say trade me now and get me out of here? Yeah, I mean it would be to the Bruins' benefit to deal him now, sure. you know, if they're going to deal him. But but the, his seven seven million dollar cap hit that doesn't well, bode like, easy to deal. Yeah, and I could tell you there there's probably a few teams that you know I think there are a few teams that are ready to compete or able to compete that I think would welcome him sure, um, and be able to take him. And even oh, yeah. if they got to eat a couple... Want, the, yeah. One of the best goaltenders oh. in the league. Yeah, and even if they got to eat a couple million dollars, I think you can still find a way to move him. But I, I think that's that's going to be a big question mark for me because I'm curious, you know, do they welcome him back in terms of a city, not necessarily a team, because yeah. I think yeah. the team's got nothing against him and they know what they've got with this yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, speaking of Tory Krug, how likely... Is it? All right, I'm going to give you two two teams. How likely is it that he resigns in Boston? Any chance? Is there any chance? And is how likely is it that he signs in Detroit and comes home? Yeah, I I've been interested in that one. And Detroit I, has thirty four point six million dollars in cap space next year. Yeah, they've they've got some RFAs to resign, but yeah, they've got they've got some need on defense. Really just, I think. I mean, Mantha, Tyler Bertuzzi. I mean, those are the only guys that are going to get any decent type of of uh, raise on the offense. Yeah, and they've got to go out and get a number one goaltender still, so that that you might think, cost. Do you think Howard will resign, re up there, or do you think he's done? Uh you know what? Even if he re ups, it's not going to be for more than a couple million. But I, I don't. I think sure, they would. Got you know, Bernier there. Yes. No, I think, and especially Steve Eiserman. I think if you're ready to build, you know, maybe you go out and try to. I don't want to say overpay, but maybe you try to give more term to a guy like maybe a Robin Leonard or, you know, God forbid, I don't know about, you know, Jacob Markstrom, if they could poach him. But, um, you know, I'm sure they would take a swing at it, um, as is, as will most teams. But as far as Tory Krug is concerned, right, we try to have this Brian Rafalski type story coming sure. back home. Yeah. Um, I, that's a 50-50 chance because I think – I, I think Tory Krug, obviously, his market value in terms of the amount of money and term he gets is going to be based upon what Petrangelo does if he hits the free agent market. 
if well, St. Louis can't get him reset. And I mean, Detroit has the money to throw at him. You know, they could they could certainly overpay him and it would be okay. You know, yeah. the cap's not going to go up for 3 years, but are the Red Wings really going to be in a super competitive position in the next 3 years? Probably not, but by that 4th year, you know, then is then the cap goes up. Sure. And they're likely competitive and that's when, you know, some of these ELCs start to run out on uh on some of your your draft picks, yeah, I think Steve Eiserman's realistic. I don't think he's going to go out and overpay for a guy for the next. Few he's not going to give him eight million bucks. Or no, anything. no, no, no. But I, I mean, if you're going to give like him Seven. six and six, you know, to me, I think that's still okay. I'm not, I'm not against that because you got a guy who can quarterback a power play. Um, you know, obviously, I think right now you're going to get some size with a guy like Maurice Snyder who's going to come into Detroit. Um, so you don't, you're not maybe worried about finding a bigger guy to play. Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't see him getting less than seven million dollars on the open market. Somebody will give it to him. Yeah, and you're probably right. A fifty point guy in sixty one games, fifty three points in sixty four games, fifty nine in seventy six. I mean, he he's a if healthy through the year, he's a sixty point defenseman, which is. In terms of offense, you're in the top ten of all defensemen. Yeah, but is he the type of guy where you're you're looking at no matter what team it is, and you're saying he can be a number one? Like well, he's still mi- still a minus four. He he hasn't been he hasn't been a positive plus minus since fifteen sixteen. <laughs> no, and he he kind of lacks that defensiveness that I think a lot of you know teams would expect in a number one type sure. of defenseman. So I think maybe that might hurt his market value a little bit. And then too, I mean, ever since Jake Gardner got you know, four for four, and we thought this guy would just rake in seven, eight million dollars all day long. You know, I'm a little well, hesitant. I didn't think he'd get that much. I I thought he would get a lot more than he, he did. Five, but yeah, it was impressive. So, that he only had four, but that's just because he sat around and waited and waited. Well, maybe and, that. Yeah, you know. maybe we don't know what went behind the scenes, and he, yeah, again, was you know trying to get the best deal possible, and then teams were like, nope, no more. Sorry, this is no what more you're money. <laughs> so, yeah, but I mean, I'm just I'm hesitant, especially with a smaller guy like that to to hand out a big contract. Yeah. Um, you know, unless your name is like, you know, Goudreau, but, um, you know, smaller guys, I would be hesitant to. And I think Steve Eiserman too, building, you know, something here, he doesn't want to go out, I think, and get free agents that are, you know, going to be gone in, you know, four or five years anyways. He wants guys that are going to be around for 10 years. Sure. So, sure. Um, you know, maybe he's a little bit more patient with guys. Which but, I mean, Tory Krug, not, he's not a 10-year project, but seven. Yeah, He could sure. be around in seven and still be serviceable in seven years. Yeah. Um, Let's shift gears uh, to end the show, and we'll just give our predictions for these game sixes. Ooh. Uh, I mean, I, we're still sticking with our with our series predictions. I guess uh, I have Colorado in seven. I think. Yeah, you and I both. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, we both have the Islanders winning, and we both have the Vegas Golden Knights winning. I I did say Vegas in six. I think you had them sweeping, didn't you? I'm going to pull it up right now. I think I did, actually. Yeah. Uh, for Game 6, Colorado-Dallas. Man, I, I got to say, I'm just rooting for Game 7s all the way. Like We have not been treated to many Game 7s or fi- you know, final game. I think the, the Leafs and uh, and Columbus were the one in the in the preliminary round. And was there a Game 7 in the, in the first round? Nope. I don't think there was, right? No. So it'd be nice if we got a slew of game sevens uh, to watch in a couple days when uh, when these all come back. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what Colorado and Dallas can do tonight. Probably by the time you're listening to this, you already know the result. But uh, Philly, New York Islanders and then Vegas and Vancouver play 
on the third. So what are your predictions for this game six? All right. I want to get a score. Call the series and I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, Colorado, Dallas. All right. Um, I mean, we both called Colorado in seven, so I feel like you can't veer from that. I mean, it's still got a full on shot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you gonna Are you gonna part ways? I really want Colorado to win this because, again, I picked them to go to the Cup Finals to start the season and the start of the playoffs. Uh, And as much as I don't want to back down from that, I just can't because, again, you're on your third string. I don't think Hutch has it in him to steal a second game for Colorado, and. As much as I look at the Avalanche and look at their their top guys, how well they are, I think outside of that, you know, Landeskog, Rantanen, McKinnon line, Kadri's been the only one pulling his weight, who's been yep. playing up to his level that yep. he, he should be. And because of that, I just I don't think that the Avalanche have it in them to survive another game. And so I think Dallas is gonna gonna win. All right, Colin Dallas and six. Yeah, I'll go okay. score. I'll go four to three. Okay. Uh, yeah, these have all been pretty high scoring games, and if uh, if Colorado's going to win, now that their goaltending is down to the bottom of the absolute barrel, like they were in a barrel, they dug a hole through the barrel, and they're somewhere in a tunnel underneath. Uh, I'm going to say Colorado takes this five four and OT. Wow. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good on With, them. Uh, Landis Cog scoring in overtime. There you go. Uh, okay. Flyers Islanders headed game six. This. This is interesting. I I watched crazy little end of that last one. It was yeah, nice little tip. But you know the Flyers, I think, are starting to not necessarily figure out the Islanders, but I think they're realizing they can. You know, because when the Islanders come back in their defensive zone, they're they're taking all five guys and they're sort of just trying to box out and they leave that top. You know, up at the circles open for you to take some shots and find some lanes outside. You know, again because yeah, they weren't collapsing and right, yeah. and they they wanted those aren't necessarily you know high chance positions to shoot from so sure. um but i think philly's trying to you now know they're low they're getting bodies in front yeah. and they're trying to tip pucks yeah exactly um but i think the bigger question mark right now is sean couturier you know does he come back i know that knee on knee he took in the last game was brutal it didn't look good uh, the prognosis is not positive right now uh there's no official word if he's done or if he's coming back and, and same goes for the islanders right barzell took barzell, a stick yeah. Um, but from what I hear, it looks like he'll probably be back. Um, and if that's all the same, I think, you know, Flyers without Couturier don't survive. I think the Islanders end up taking it 2-1. to one. Okay. All right. Yeah, the Flyers are uh, going to struggle to score. I'm gonna, I'm pulling for Game 7, so I'm going to say the Flyers pull it off. Carter Hart shuts out the Islanders tonight. I love your optimism. 3 uh, nothing. Wow. All right. An empty netter at the end there. Uh, Vancouver, Vegas. Vancouver, Thatcher Demko had a crazy game. He's the first goalie since 1997 when Jose Theodore won an elimination game in his first game in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Kudos to him for for looking pretty dang good. Yeah. Um, 46 saves or something like that. Yeah. yeah, 42, I think it was. Regardless. Yeah. 40-plus saves is very impressive for a rookie to come in there and uh, stave off off elimination. I just think, uh, ultimately, this this Vegas team is too deep. Vancouver just uh, is going to run out of gas on the back end, and their goaltending just won't be able to keep up for too many more games. Yeah, it's it's those like, all right, you're down 3-1. You go into that game, and you go, like, let's just see what happens. Mm -hmm. Oh, you win. Now you're suddenly in a game where if you win the next one, it's anyone's game. There's a little more pressure on that, and I think that Vegas is the better team. I'm still rooting for a Game 7. 
Uh, <laughs> I want a game seven so bad. And, and I'd like Vancouver to win. I mean, they're, they've been the team I've been cheering for in the West this whole time. So, uh, I will say Vegas though. If I'm if I'm putting money on it, Vegas is going to take this one pretty handedly, like a five to two. Okay, yeah, I'll go Vegas, but four to two. Okay, all right. Uh, well, we will uh, next show. We'll be likely breaking down the conference finals, and uh, and we'll also go through all the teams that have been eliminated, and we'll uh, we'll do what we did here today. So uh, find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. And let us know what you what you thought. And yeah, enjoy the games. Enjoy all three game sevens. Yes, prophetic. 